Good morning. If you don't know me and not met me yet, my name is Steve Welling. I've been here the last two weeks. This is the third week. I had the privilege of being invited by Pastor Mitch to come and fill in him, in for him while he took a break. And little did we know how that would turn out. So here I am a third week, and I, I don't know how to give a message on a day like today very well. So I'll do my best, but just understand that I think I'm just going to talk to you more than really try and preach at you. I, I'm just really listening to the Holy Spirit as best I can to, to say what I think God wants me to say to you. And I may even end with an invitation of a type. Some of you might remember invitations. Do you remember those days? I, I, I was one of those guys, you know, I'm old enough. I came to faith in 1968. And uh, the way I came to faith was I was sitting on the ground at Patterson's, Patterson's Rollercade in Spokane, Washington during Baptist Skate Night. It was one of those things where apparently they thought if they would just put us in a bus, take us to a skating rink and let us roll around in circles in the name of Jesus, we would get closer, you know, to coming to faith. And sure enough, I had been pretty much inoculated from those invitations that they gave at the time. Do you remember them, some of you? They always sounded like this. Every eye closed, every hair head bowed. No looking around. This is just between you and God and me looking at you, um, kind of implied. And they would always say, if you'd like to receive Jesus as your Savior, would you please raise your hand? Like I said, I've been inoculated. I'd been going to their Sunday school. I'd been going to the midweek meeting. I went to camp that summer. And now it's the end of summer. It's August 15th, uh, actually August 1st, 1968. So I know what to do. I'm sitting on my hands, as I told you. And unfortunately, this, this preacher giving the devotional, making us sit in the middle of the roller rink on the ground, apparently didn't learn the lesson about how to give an invitation because he said, if you'd like to... Actually, what he said is, if you know you've received Jesus, raise your hand. Well, I'm sitting on my hands, and I'm in junior high. There is absolutely no way I'm going to make noise and embarrass myself. So I sat there on my hands, waiting till he got through. But that's the moment the Holy Spirit really made it clear to me. You didn't raise your hand because you've not received my son the Savior. I wrestled with God for two weeks. And then, August 15th, I climbed out of bed one night, got on my knees, and I asked Jesus to come into my heart. That was an invitation of a type. I might give an invitation. You might pray for me between now and whenever I'm done. It's 10.30 now. Seahawks don't play for two weeks, so... <laughs> I came to you two weeks ago, and I remember I started with a story of my nephew, and he was on a roller coaster, and 
and I, I explained how just as they reached the top of the hill, unknowing to him that he was about to descend into a panic, he looked out off to the side and said, boy, Dad, I'm sure glad that we're not on that ride, looking at the roller coaster who'd gone ahead of them, careening out of control. Who knew that uh, we were about to enter into that roller coaster ride? Life has a way of doing that to us, as I'll share. I was watching television this week. There was a funeral in the program, and the TV pastor at the funeral got up and was saying some nice words, and then he said this. He said, In our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ said, he paused, and then he said many wonderful things. Now, hear it carefully. I'm quoting him now. At a funeral, he says, our Lord, our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ has said many wonderful things. And then he went on to quote a pop song. Mary Lee Rush, if you need to know. And I thought, isn't that television? So I stand here today, and I want to say to you, I'm not going to be quoting Mary Lee Rush to you. I would like to quote to you the words of Jesus. If you, if you would, turn with me to uh, the Gospel of, of John. We find John talking to his disciples at Last Supper, and he's trying to explain to them that you know, hard days are coming. He's going to be betrayed. Peter denies, I'll never betray you. I'll never deny you. And in verse 1 of chapter 14, Jesus gives these words. So I say to you at this funeral-like morning, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Of course, this is where Thomas says, Lord, we don't know the way, and Jesus gives these famous words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And of course, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. And he said, you've seen me. You know, it just kind of goes on from there. I'll jump to verse 12. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've done. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. This morning, I've, I've just thought, what do I share with a congregation that has just taken a shot in the solar plexus? 
It's not the first time this church has been punched. Been punched a few times this year. Your deacon just talked about pruning. It's not been an easy time. But you know, this church is 131 years old. And you are a community, community of faith in this community of Stanwood and greater area. The majority of people surrounding us do not have the faith that we have in Jesus. For me, the last three weeks have been very entertaining because I get the privilege of leaving my house at 7 o'clock in the morning in order to drive here because it's 133 miles. And I'm driving through Gig Harbor and Tacoma and Federal Way and Kent and Tukwila and, Rent well, I kind of bypass Renton, uh, Seattle, Everett, you know, the whole trip. And I am passing, I guess it would literally be thousands of cars, thousands of people that have somewhere else to go than be a part of a community of faith on a Sunday morning. And you are here holding on and being that people of God that, is, that our community so desperately needs. And why do I say that? Because for those people, when they get punched in the gut, especially with a death, they don't know what to do. And we come alongside, and they look at us in moments like this, and they go, what is wrong with those people? I call it an upside-down faith. The Apostle Paul actually writes it this way in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He, he talks about, we do not grieve as the world does who have no hope. See, we're this extraordinary people who have hope, and when they're hopeless, we're hopeful. We just heard it from our own singing in the worship. We put our, our faith in Jesus Christ on this rock we stand. Everything else is sinking sand. We heard it from the deacons as they stood up here and said, we are the people of faith and God is working on us and making us into something that will blossom into his glory. You shared the life with with Pastor Mitch for more than a quarter of a century, some of you, and you know that, that that vibrant living faith that he had and trust in the Word of God has been implanted in you, and you sit here because he implanted that faith, that seed of faith in you. And yet, for the world, it's like upside down. Shouldn't you be sad? Shouldn't you just be destroyed? Well, we grieve, but we don't grieve as those who have no hope. This is the part that's hard for me. Because I've only shared this from the pulpit three or four times in the last 36 years. You might remember on the very first Sunday I was here, I introduced myself and I said I was married, been married for 46 years, but you have four children, three, surviving ones in heaven. There's a story behind that. In 1986, we were on vacation 
And I, I think I just decided I'm going to leave out a lot of details. In 1986, we were on vacation, and my son drowned. He was three years old. I was a pastor. I was serving a church in California. I was young, remarkably young in retrospect. And I learned some amazing lessons by encountering death face-to-face -face for the first time in my life. There's something just really wrong, and some of you probably have had this experience where maybe you've lost a child. You know there's just something that just feels so wrong about it. I think I may have shared with you about my mother-in-law, who just passed away a few weeks ago. In two weeks, she would have been 101. Don't take this wrong as talking about a mother-in-law, but it was just so right for her to go. I mean, the time was right. She lived a long, full life. My son, three weeks short of being three years old, did not have that opportunity. I was crushed. I grieved. But I even learned at that time, I did not grieve as the world grieves because I had a hope that I would see him again. I still have that hope. In fact, for me, it's more than hope. It's a knowledge. I know. I guess really what this is important to you is I want to ask you, what do you know? Do you know you'll see Mitch Klein again? Absolutely. Amen. I like that. <laughs> There's one. We all have to answer that question. I know I will see my son. And, and I also learned a, a few things, I don't know, to try and turn this into a, a real message. What I, what I typically do when I talk about this John 14 passage is talk about some of the, the truths that Jesus gives us. Uh, I'll share those with you just real quick. We have hope because Jesus says that there is a prepared place for us. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. There is a home for us that's coming. The best is yet to come. Debbie's words that Mitch was no longer walking in pain, but now running through fields. Isn't that a great image? Mitch was my friend, too, as I shared for, I've known him for 40 years, been friends for 25 at least, and we were more than friends, we were comrades in the ministry, partners. And how great that we have a prepared place for us, and these are the words of Jesus. Jesus said many good things. Oh, I, by the way, one of the things he said is, I go to prepare a place for you. Isn't that great? Now, it's important that we remember, Jesus said it's a prepared place, but it's also a privileged place. Not everyone goes. There are many that turn their back on Jesus, without a doubt. It seems these days more and more, people would just much rather live for themselves 
then believe that God has called us to a different lifestyle. Do you run into this? Am I the only one? <laughs> and it's everywhere through every facet of media, social media, entertainment, music. Every once in a while, I will tune in to find out what kids are listening to in terms of popular music. Easy to do. Go on iTunes, look up popular songs, and then you can click and see what the lyrics are. It's obscene. I mean, I woke up as a teenager, and it was, it was shocking to hear, wake up, little Susie, wake up. What are they going to think? Remember that one? That was shocking at the time. Now, in this environment, I can't even begin to talk about the vulgarity of the lyric. And as a young person, I'm looking right at you. You know what I'm talking about. Say amen. <laughs> he said amen if you didn't hear him over there. <laughs> but he knows. All your kids know and your grandkids know. And they have to make choices about what they're going to accept to penetrate their minds. But Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. If, I, if it wasn't true, I wouldn't tell you. And then, then the question is, where is this place? You know the place. I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's a privileged place. No one comes to the Father except through me. Have you said yes to Jesus? Yes. There's two today. <laughs> it's a revival breaking out among us. It's, it's so exciting. The last thing I guess I would share with you is that it's, it's a peaceful place. And I don't mean that heaven is a place of peace, though I believe it is. What I learned is that through the death of my son, that there is a peace that comes now if we trust him. Jesus actually promises this later in the, in the chapter when we get to, is it verse 27? I want to, yes. He says the Holy Spirit's going to come and listen to what he says in verse 27. To his disciples and to us, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. In other words, I don't give and take. I don't make this a transactional relationship if if you pay me enough money, if you're willing to, to commit to certain things that I require other than faith, no, I do not give as the world gives. It's not transactional. It's transformational. It's relational. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. That's the upside-down faith that I'm talking about. When the world encounters death in particular, it does not know what to do. People go into pain 
and they mask their pain. We're surrounded by people masking their pain. Could be entertainment, it could be alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be pornography, it could be all kinds of sensuality, it could be just a whole variety of things to keep, you, to keep themselves from having to deal with the pain. And Jesus says, no, it doesn't have to be pain, it can be peace. My peace I give to you. That's the promise. That's the upside-down world. The world goes crazy, we go peaceful. And by the way, this is a sidelight. I just want to point something out. If you hadn't noticed, the world's going crazy. <laughs> and we have the opportunity to be the people of peace in the middle of it. What an opportunity. What a privilege. What a promise. So I come to you today not as your preacher, because I just don't feel like I'm preaching. I'm ho I, I kind of hope that I'm coming as your friend. I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I just finished a book. It's called The Five Conversations. Why am I talking about the book? Because the book emphasizes the importance of conversation. Change happens in conversation. I didn't come to Christ because that guy said, raise your hand. I came to Christ because after I couldn't raise my hand, I talked to my friend. And they started asking me questions. Well, do you know Jesus? Yeah, yeah, I grew up in church. Well, that's great. Do you know the Bible? Yeah, I read the Bible. Well, actually, I, I went to Sunday school and we had flannel graph. Oh, that's great. Uh, have you ever asked Jesus into your heart? What? Have you ever surrendered to the authority of Jesus? What? Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? What? Have you ever acknowledged that you actually have sin in your life? What? Don't talk to me about my sin. I've got it covered up. You're not supposed to know. In that conversation, it became clear <laughs> I had a problem. <laughs> I thought I had all the answers. And at 14, you usually do. <laughs> but my answers weren't good ones. In fact, they were the wrong ones. And Jesus and I talked. We had our own conversation, wrestled for a couple weeks. And then I said yes. That's important to you because have you said yes? Have you really said yes? Because a day like today when we're remembering Mitch and the shock of his home going leaves us all with the question, what about me? So I, I'm just here to invite you to remember Remember when you said yes. Remember when you wanted to say yes but haven't yet. Remember a week from now that maybe today was the day you said yes. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that there was something really important that I wanted to share with you today. 
but I also have this really strong feeling that I've said what I've, I'm supposed to have said. Give me half a minute. I'll pray, and then we'll see if God gives me more to say to you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today and these weeks of opportunity to just share my heart with God-loving people, part of a faith community that's been a part of this community for over 130 years. And Lord, I know that as a congregation, they have been punched or pruned as the deacon said, whether it's punch or prune, it hurts. And yet in the midst of all of it, Lord, we have this incredible opportunity to turn our eyes back to you and know that you said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Lord, I know that's possible. I also know how hard it is when our hearts are grieving. But I would pray for this congregation and every individual here, every heart, that your Holy Spirit would be speaking to them even now to help their hearts be managing well with your Spirit in an upside-down way compared to how the world deals with death. I marvel at your goodness. I marvel at your grace. And I'm so, so thankful, Lord, that we are people that quote your word and not pop songs instead of Jesus. I thank you that you gave this promise that whosoever believes in me shall not perish but have everlasting life. For as many as receive him, they become the children of God. Lord, if there is anyone here this day that is not confident about their faith, I pray that today could be the day when they say yes to you. Lord, may your Holy Spirit take my words, my words as a friend in conversation to my new friends here, and use them for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. There's two people here who are really confident in their faith. The rest of you, you know, we're not so sure about. But um, <laughs> when, it's just terrible on my part, just so you know. As a public speaker, I break rules all the time. Do you ever notice that? That's probably one of them. What I'd like to do, they asked me to just kind of close the service, you know, have a prayer and dismiss you. And we'll do that. But I would just feel remiss today if I didn't give you opportunity for whatever need you have, if there's anyone that wants to validate or come to faith in Christ or whatever, needs help in that, 
you know, I'll be right up here in front. I know the deacons are sitting up here as well. They, they would be more than happy to talk to anyone. And, and as we would depart, one of the great joys for me these last two weeks is that when the service has ended, you stand up and you go nowhere. You stand up and you just turn and you all start talking to each other. That's like the best for a pastor in a church. I invite you, do it again today. And in those conversations, if there's anyone that would like a conversation in the front with some of us, feel free to walk up here. We'll be here for you today. Is that a, is that a, how do we, how do we, do? all in favor say aye? Aye. Yeah, good Baptist. We vote for everything, don't we? <laughs> Heavenly Father, thanks for the opportunity to be here today. You love this congregation. You've got something in mind for these people. You would not take them through this pain like you have. You have trusted them immensely. And so I ask God now that you, in that trust, would work in their hearts and bring them joy beyond imagination as they follow you. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. <laughs>